Hold sports all plays. Hold sports all plays. Welcome in. This is the pilot episode, the official ASAP Network podcast. Uh, I am alongside my man and co-host Craig Campbell. Uh, Craig, how are we doing today? How are we? It was it was a point where we thought this wouldn't happen. There was a, there was a point. I know you were feeling it too. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to see you, Shane. It's good to be on here, uh, part of the ASAP Network. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. You know, we had a, had a little time with the family last night. Went out and you know got a little wild and paying for it today. But yeah, this is uh, it's this is gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of really cool stuff uh, that we've that we've got planned for the show and um, you know guests and uh, bringing any other guys from the ASAP network. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, we didn't know if we we're gonna kick off this weekend, yeah. but hey, here we are. Show's got to go, and uh, I know I know we're excited for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, this ASAP Network has a plethora of guys that have all, knowledge in all sports, and that's what this show is all about. We don't focus on one sport; we focus on all sports, and that's why our man Freddie hooked us up and said, "You guys are now the official podcast of the show," uh, and we appreciate that. And Today we got we got a ton of topics. To talk, I mean, who would have thought on July twenty fourth we'd be talking NFL? We got lots of baseball stuff to talk about. We're gonna give you a breakdown of my favorite division, and maybe not uh, maybe not Craig's favorite, division, but my favorite division is the AFC North, and they seem to be getting headlines. So we're gonna definitely get into that. And then because we're both a couple Big Ten guys. Uh, we're going to dive into what happened to the Rose Bowl and what's next for college football. So uh, here's a little story about how a couple of a guy from London, Ontario and a guy from Saginaw, Michigan are going to get into a little bit of football talk. And I guess the first thing that we'll jump off with the very first topic that we'll get into is how Kyler Murray just got paid an enormous amount of money. The Cardinals did it the way that they wanted to do it. Um, so we're going to focus on that, but we also want to know what this does for Lamar Jackson and these contracts seem like they're one-ups, but is this going to be a one-up kind of situation? Yeah. Kyler Murray, just kind of, kind of talking about that situation, his contract, you know, if you're not, not really familiar, he had a five year, 230 and a half million dollar extension, uh, 160 of that's guaranteed. Um, to kind of put that in perspective, he's making over $40 million a year when this extension kicks in. And uh, it's you kind of you kind of look at how he's been on the football field and how he's kind of progressed over the last couple of years. Uh, but this is that arms race of, of quarterbacks. That's essentially what you got to do is you've got a guy who you want to build around as your franchise piece because you can't win the NFL without a good quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, and, and being able to have a guy like Kyler Murray who can beat you through the air with his feet, uh, extend plays, and especially for that offense, you can kind of tell when he has all those weapons, they're a super dangerous team. They had such a hot start last year. Um, and kind of getting getting that last part of the season now is where they've really got to kind of dig in and figure out, like, okay, what are the other pieces that are going to help make Kyler successful? Because now we got him locked up. Now let's go out. Let's go out and play ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, Kyler Murray has shown flashes of being a top three quarterback. He's shown flashes of being a top 30 quarterback. So you really don't know which guy you're going to get. Um, but as he's progressed, it seems like uh, seems like he's the real deal. I mean, not many guys that you can think of. And actually, I believe he was the first guy ever. That was a first round pick in baseball and football. So just a complete natural born athlete. Um 
is he gonna be affected by not having Hopkins the first couple of weeks? Absolutely. I mean, how could you yeah. not? Hopkins is a top five receiver. Uh, he he's gonna come out on in training camp and say all the right things and say, yeah, you know what? We'll just you know we'll we'll get ready for when he's here. But uh, the offense is gonna be affected, and probably if you're a fantasy football owner, uh, Kyler Murray might not be your guy unless you have a somebody else to put in his place prior to that. Yeah. One of the, one of the wild things to think about with his contract um, is you remember, like you said, he's, he was drafted first overall by the Oakland athletics and right. I can't remember who it's all over Twitter. Now, if, of course, if you, if you go there, follow ASAP sports network at ASAP one on Twitter. Um, but if, if, when you look through that, you can see how it breaks down. Kyler Murray is now almost making more than the entire Oakland A's payroll <laughs> this year. Like you, you, you kind of think about the argument, should he have picked baseball over football? The short term, you can make a lot of money in football, but the problem in baseball is that you're, unless you start at the big leagues right away, like the way the contracts are set up, you have to be producing for a very long time to make the kind of money. You would talk about Aaron judge, that type of a, a scenario you got to be producing for a long time to make that potential money. Kyler Murray, unknown commodity on the baseball field outside of just playing a little bit here and there, you know, in Oklahoma. So with him now on the football field, look at how much he's making now. And then of course you're talking about transitioning that into Lamar Jackson. Okay. What does this mean for him? You know, he didn't sign an extension. He kind of bet on himself, if you will. And now Kyler Murray signs this extension and the big talk around Baltimore is, are they going to pay it? Like, are you in or are you out? You know, you know, right. sit or get I, off the pot as they say. Yeah. I mean, are you, so, I mean, to go two roads here, are you going the Kyler Murray route and signing him or are you going the Baker Mayfield route and shipping this man out of town? And um, I, I mean, it would be a big mistake for them to, to ship Lamar Jackson out of town. Um, but in the same breath, I think it's going to be a big mistake to try and pay him the kind of money that the market is going to dictate. So I, I think that Baltimore is in a really tough position. Uh, I, I if, if you went to look for a position title for Lamar Jackson, I think it's athlete and it's not in a disrespectful way. Uh, he's just not a prototype, a prototype quarterback, uh, but right. he's also not a running back. He's also not a receiver. Um, he's a guy that you want the ball in his hands but he needs the the corresponding parts to be working. If J.K. Dobbins and uh, Gus the Bus come out and they're firing, well, Lamar Jackson's going to look a little bit better on screen. But if you look at just the last few games last year for Baltimore, um, and the kid they have they put in uh, Huntley, the the rookie, yep. uh, he actually looked more comfortable in the Baltimore offense because it is a basic offense, but he looked more comfortable in it than I've ever seen Lamar Jackson look in it. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson, you kind of look at some of his, some of his best years. I mean, 2019, he had over 3000 passing yards and over 1200 yards in the ground last year kind of took a little bit of a, you know, took a little bit of a dip in both areas. Right. So you kind of look at that is his, his completion percentage is still in the mid sixties, which isn't, isn't awful, but it's, you talk about those things. It's, it's the decision-making it's the decision-making that's on the field. And, you know, both of those guys to an extent were run first. And now Lamar Jackson starting to look more down the field, the accuracy in, in parts of the game, they talk about making all the throws, Course guys can make the throw. They're professional quarterbacks. Right. But right. Can he fit in those tight windows? And I think that's what the detractors for Lamar Jackson talk about is can he make those throws in those tight windows like the elite prototypical quarterbacks can? And that's really, I think that's where this season now, um, you've really got to kind of look at that aspect. Is he the guy that Baltimore is going to want to roll with for the next? five years, right? Is he still going to be that type of guy? Is he going to progress to that point? And yeah, Anthony, if Baltimore can't afford what Lamar is worth, you know, that's, that's what you got to look at is, okay, where's that cap space going to come from? Who else are they going to pay? Cause you got to take from other positions if you want to pay that much money to a quarterback. Um, and so are they really going to be willing to shell that out? 
Right, right. And even like if you look at the Lamar Jackson, you know, his success plan, his success plan is a strong defense that makes it so that he doesn't have to play from behind, uh, a run game and a receiver or a tight end that can make a play. Now, to have your run game, you got to play your O-line. You probably don't have to pay a running back if you have the right O-line, but defenders have proven to be more and more expensive. You know, you draw the compare because the Steelers and the Ravens are always put together as like the rivalry. Um, In four years, can they afford to pay Kyle Hamilton the way that the Steelers just paid Mika Fitzpatrick? Or can they afford to pay their pass rushers the way that they just paid TJ Watt? And the easy answer is no, because the Steelers wouldn't have been able to pay those two guys if Ben Roethlisberger was still on the roster. And luckily for them, they found a bargain basement Mitchell Trubisky sitting there um, and Trubisky's going to need all the same things that, that Lamar Jackson needs, but his contract is suitable to it. Whereas Lamar making $39 million a year, it it's just not going to fit into the scheme and everything would really have to go a certain way for Baltimore to even, you know, sniff around being Super Bowl contenders uh, right now. I'm their windows probably this year. And I don't think that they don't have, the weapons this year to be competitive to me. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. But the when we talk about the arms race for the for quarterbacks, it's always trying to figure out the you said the one upsmanship of the contracts. So if you uh if if you like dive it into those numbers, one thing that I kind of look at um and this is a conversation in lo- multiple sports, baseball, basketball, uh football, um guys want to get paid like the top quarterbacks or the guys at their position. So you got to look at their annual value for those, for those types of players. Mm-hmm. And if um, I'm looking at sport track right now, the top one is Aaron Rodgers at $50 million of annual values. And then Kyler Murray comes in at second with 46. So the other guys on this list, you got Deshaun Watson, Patrick, uh, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen is so, you know, Lamar, just like the Dak situation from a couple years ago, Dak's level was here, but he wanted to get paid up here. No doubt. You know, is that's the gap that the Ravens have to look at is, is, um, is, is he going to be able to, they're going to find a middle ground. And this is Anthony's got a good point here. Yeah. Uh, what if the Ravens tag Lamar next year? Um, tagging for Lamar is fine um, because you're going to be making in the top five, 10% of your position, which right. we're talking, that's over $40 million already. Uh, but like, you know, Kirk Cousins had this where he would get tagged every year until he got paid for right. a player like Lamar Jackson. When you have to use your feet as well as your arm to be a truly elite level player on the field, that's a big risk. That's a big risk for him. For sure it is. And, and you know, like Dak wasn't willing to do it. And um, I would say Dak is a better overall passer, uh, but when it comes down to it, like their situations are very similar and, you know, Dak got his ankle torn off and luckily was still able to secure the money because they knew that long-term he was going to be their guy. Uh, Does Lamar Jackson have that same, that same situation? I I don't think that if Baltimore throws the tag on him, he's at camp next summer. Yeah, I I agree. I think he he, sits out. If he gets tagged, there's no way he's going to hold out. Or he, or he might just show up in September and say, you know, throw me in and we might have the Tyler Huntley show or, you know, I don't know if um, what's his uh, Mick Sorley from uh, Penn State. I don't know if he's Trace still on. McSorley. Yeah, I don't know if he's still on the <laughs> roster down there, but he might be getting reps, too. I mean, turn a camp arm into a starting quarterback because you can't figure out how to pay the guy. I mean, it it's a situation that's far too real and it might be one that Baltimore Ravens fans don't want to hear right now, but this is the reality. And this is the reality of the business of the NFL right now. Yeah. Brian, good point. At this point with kind of money in the line, Lamar shouldn't play without an extension hold out um, from a player standpoint. You're always trying to get the max amount of money you can for the window that you're playing. So I don't blame him if he decides to do that whatsoever. If you're the Ravens and you want to make a play, your offer to him for an extension. And I'm sure they haven't, they've been conversating back and forth about it. If you make an offer, you probably can't be anywhere South of $40 million annually. You have to be, they're going to have to make that offer of being in that 40 to 45 million range. And that puts him at 
top four uh, in the NFL if they're if he's at forty five million dollars. Uh, but he'd be top top nine, top eight if he's in at forty. So, you know, what's the what's the value there for the for the Ravens? You know, you I think that's your first offer is you got to start fairly low. But you can't, I, th- I don't think you can offer less than $40 million annually to Lamar Jackson, whether you like it or not. Cause like you said, nature of the, this nature of the business. Yeah. Um, you, you, that's kind of how this game works now. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, what? like, uh, I'm sure that somewhere along the way, something's going to get figured out here, but um, Lamar Jackson has a small window of time to start, uh, start making money. And us another plausible scenario. Look, they figure out this contract. They decide to pay him forty million dollars, but they're going to need to front load this contract like crazy, which is the opposite of what other teams are trying to do, because they're going to have to pay all these guys in four years, five years down the road. Um, and if Lamar has all of his cash up front, what's to say that he doesn't hold out on the back end and ask for a little bit more cash? So that's another thing that Baltimore needs to keep in mind when they're looking at this situation. And, you know, the spending is out there. The spending, every time free agency rolls around, there's a billion dollars spent here, a billion dollars spent there. Um, One thing that Ravens fans have to hold on to and very closely, uh, they're not Browns fans because the Browns went and spent $240 million on a guy that may never play a down for them. Um I, I do believe that probably next year he'll be there. I, I don't think it's going to be a two-year suspension, but who knows what they're going to do. But when you look at the Deshaun Watson contract and you look at the moves that the Browns have made to come in, from what I can tell, they gave up $240 million, three first-round picks, whatever they gave up for uh, Cooper, and Jacoby Brissett's going to be their starting quarterback. Or Josh yeah. Rosen. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Rosen making an appearance in uh, in Cleveland, just kind of resurfacing <laughs> uh, again. But yeah, it you got to wonder if you're the Cleveland Browns, did you just were you just not aware of this entire situation? Are you like head in the sand? What's you know what's what's going on there? How do you not know this guy's probably not going to play, regardless if a lot of the most of the suits I think that he's been. Uh, tied to have been settled, but there's still some that have not been. So you know how Roger Goodell likes to, you know, likes to dole out. um, He likes to dole out these suspensions and, you know, and and investigate things, which you can argue one way or the other, that it's very hypocritical (laughs) how they, on how they approach each situation. Um, But yeah, your starting quarterback might be Jacoby Percet. And I'm sure if you ask Browns fans last year, Coming into the next season, you're without Baker Mayfield. You went and you know sold the sold the farm to get Deshaun Watson, who's not even going to play. And you now you go and get fill in guys that hopefully you know your window was right now for the right. Browns. And now they're looking like the same old Browns because they make head scratching moves like this. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a scenario, and I want to know how this plays out. And this is all hypothetical, but uh, let's say the Browns go four and thirteen uh, because Deshaun Watson suspended for the entire year, um, and Baker Mayfield finds a way uh, and puts the Panthers in the playoff race. Uh, is the GM of the Browns at that point is he fired? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't think so, but just because of the fact that you're still holding out hope that Deshaun Watson can come back when he's ready and be able to put the Browns back in a position they were in last year. Um, but I mean, if every if more things kind of fall apart, absolutely, someone's head's probably going to roll. Um, how ironic would it be that Baker Mayfield gets sent to the uh, the island of misfit QBs in Carolina. <laughs> and if he comes out as the guy and takes them to the playoffs in a fairly weakened NFC South outside of Tampa, they very well could sneak in if they if a lot of things go the right way for him. And how fitting would that be for Baker Mayfield? Just be like, hey, you guys didn't want me, so you shipped me off to this place. I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna I'm gonna go farther than you guys will. 
Right, right, exactly. And you know, like I think that fits in with the Baker Mayfield personality or the persona that we we have and of assume of him. Um, I'm sure, you know, we've all been we've all played sports before, we've all been in the heat of competition. So we know that some of those things maybe isn't your off the field personality. But if I was Baker Mayfield, I would absolutely be trying to stick it to the Browns right now. And of course, the NFL does this perfectly. The Browns and the Panthers are playing in week one. And we're not going to have to wait too long to see how this thing plays out. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. That's I get I don't watch a lot of NFL outside of like my Lions, right? I'll I'll watch some I'll watch a lot of the high profile games. That's one I'm going to go out of my way to watch that game just because you got to you got to expect that Matt Rule is going to go, "All right, this playbook, throw it out. Baker, go play ball. Like this one's for you." Yeah. You got to imagine like you got to imagine that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And when it comes to when it comes down to it, they're gonna they're gonna end up. Um, it, it's gonna be a nationally televised game, and it, it's gonna be a one o'clock game. So I mean, it's hard to call that a nationally televised game, but um, <laughs> that's probably gonna be the most watched Cleveland Browns uh, Panthers game in the history of those two franchises playing each other, and even even with the Steelers playing the Bengals that week. I'm going to have that one on on the sideline because I'm going to be I'm going to be really wondering what's going on over there. Um, And for, uh, you know, for another AFC quarter, AFC North quarterback, um, I will say with full disclosure, Ben Roethlisberger is my guy. I'm a Steelers fan, Um, but typical Ben Roethlisberger, typical NFL quarterback cannot stay out of the news cycle, knows that he just they're just so they need the spotlight on them um, goes out of his way this week to talk about how Calvin Colbert didn't want him back in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin was on the fence and it was the president that brought him back. Um, and then tops the whole thing off by saying, you know what? Like guys in this league just aren't the same as when I was, when I first started, they're all coddled college players and the NIL is going to ruin college football. And I was never coddled as a player. Like, I don't know, man. I'm going to say you kind of were. I, th- I think you were a little bit. And, you know, like as a lifelong Steelers fan, I saw Bill Cower coddle you. And you know what? I saw the Steelers organization stand beside you when you got yourself into trouble. So I think that you did get special treatment on some of these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this you, you kind of look at Ben Roethlisberger and for all the all the good that he did on the field is that, you know, that type of quarterback not a prototypical quarterback and what he did in Pittsburgh it always seemed like especially at the tail end of his career he would always find ways to get himself in the conversation you know it through the media whether that's oh I think I might retire this year uh you know I'm not really sure I I I don't think I'm going to retire um you know I'm not I'm You look at you look at with him, he's always trying to be in the media, right? And I think this right. is just another one of those. This is another one of those scenarios. Um, talking about not getting coddled, you you made the point that when he had his accident, right, his motorcycle accident, and he was out, and he had these allegations come out against him, all these different things. The the Steelers organization basically like huddled up and protected him. You know, they protected him at all costs and. Um, now to this point, is the NIL going to change college football? Absolutely. Things change over time. The types of players that Ben Roethlisberger was like 20, 30 years before he got in the league, he wouldn't even have been a quarterback. They would have been like, no, nah, you're going to be a tight end, man. You're going to go, you're going to go block. Right, it's- right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, yeah, man, I, Ben Roethlisberger was a freshman quarterback that walked in and he started from day one and he had to sit out for a one NFL game and he came right in and he filled in for Tommy Maddox in that famous blizzard game and a game against Baltimore's or not blizzard, a hurricane game. Um, but at this point, man, just right off into the sunset, like there was no point, no point at all to, to come up with it. And I don't really understand why he went down this road. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, 
not really sure either why, but hey, you know, like like I said, this he's he's got to be in the limelight. Um, I just don't think he's I don't think he's ready to retire. I think the team told him like, hey, physically, I, I think it's time for you to go. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, you see this happen a lot in a diff in a bunch of different sports where guys will stay way past their their prime, right? And you know that that happens a lot, but. Uh, but yeah, with Ben Roethlisberger, with that situation, you kind of look at now, how does that kind of settle in with the rest of the AFC North? I know it's a topic that uh, you and I were wanting to kind of gel into and, and talk about over the next couple of weeks is kind of go over the next few divisions. 100%. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into the AFC North and, uh, and talk about what we feel like is going to happen uh, next season, NFC North. We'll be right back. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. We're making a place. We're talking the game, get you through the days. We're hiding the court, we're dying in the lane. Variety topics, living the same. All presentations, sports information. In the airways, taking the nation. All sport, all plays, they're working your faces. Grace up the field, so type the laces. All right, welcome back to the All Sports All Plays official podcast here with Shane. I'm Craig. Uh, And before we get into our next topic here, uh, something that we kind of touched on uh, kind of coming into the show is we were kind of looking at the XFL, right? So that's the XFL has come out. uh, They're doing 3.0 now. Dwayne Johnson and company. Um, are taking the XFL and kind of taking the reins from Vince McMahon. And they are looking to, you know, make the XFL viable, right? So you're looking, you kind of have to ask the question, is the XFL as a spring football league going to be able to survive? And I think they can. Um, when, When you think about football, but there are some things that you have to look at, right? You've got the NFL. How many leagues have tried to compete with the NFL XFL kind of took a different route and they said, you know what, we're going to go to spring ball. You see the USFL, they are being, they're fairly successful, even though you can't see it in the stands, they're being fairly successful right now because of their, their media rights that they have with Fox sports, right? XFL went, I think they did it right this time by going and hooking up with ESPN and Disney and ABC that right there, like that the success of minor league teams, if you will, has nothing to do with the people in the stands and the on-field stuff as much anymore. 20, 30 years ago, or back in the eighties with the original USFL, there was some big competition, but you had a bunch of money thrown in behind it. It was on national television. You got prime in their prime athletes to come join in this league. XFL is not going to have that because you don't have to worry about that as much anymore. But what you can focus on, if you're the XFL to be successful, don't try, don't try to be the NFL, you know, in the, in the spring, don't try to be the NFL where I think they can really take a rocket pack on the back of their league and shoot it to the moon. Take your product on the field, hook up with the NFL. And this is, this is, I've I've always thought on on other, you know, other outlets, other shows that I've worked with, this has always been my argument with the XFL. It doesn't matter what you do, but if you have a partnership with the NFL where you can be a feeder system, kind of like how the NBA has taken the G league under its wing and said, yeah, we know college basketball is doing their thing. That's still probably the best platform that a non-professional athlete can get exposed and get seen by uh, many eyes is college sports. But in the NFL, if you take that, like NFL Europe was a great example a long time ago. NFL Europe, they they had some players that would come over and basically it would be like the G League. So if the, if the XFL does that and they hook up with the NFL, use them to test out a few things, a few maybe new features and stuff that they'd like to try out in the NFL – then I think the XFL can really, they can skyrocket as far as their popularity, uh, the brand recognition. That alone 
right there with working with the NFL will help put them into a new stratosphere. Right. Right. And you know what? I, I totally agree with everything you're saying there. And uh, the avenue for the XFL that I thought would have been the best is pairing up with the CFL, which is something that they attempted to do. Um, but by doing that, we could create something like not a Super Bowl, but a World Bowl. You know, the CFL plays their league and the XFL plays their league. And then they meet. And obviously, American football and Canadian football, one has four downs, one has three downs. The scoring's a little bit different. So you'd probably have to come to some kind of agreeance on what's going to be the next thing for you. Um, but I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I know that The Rock tried to make that happen. Uh, the CFL doesn't have the money that the XFL has behind it, uh, but it does have a really, really stubborn tradition. Uh, it's almost as stubborn as like the baseball tradition uh, where the guys that are XFL or that are CFL fans want the CFL to be the CFL forever and never change. And, you know, if they could play it in black and white, they would do it. And, you know, like all the old school stuff that you could think of. We even have a rule in the CFL where you have to have a certain amount of Canadian players on your roster. That automatically is against what professional sports is, which is supposed to be the best collection of players you can put together versus the best collection of players you can put together and see who's the best at that point. Absolutely. And, and as much as I love watching the CFL, which I, I will, I will watch it. it. It's very, it is very entertaining football, uh, especially, you know, with the window of time that they get to play. Um, the, the problem with the CFL a little bit is they want it to be as pure as it has been. But if you take a look at a lot of their, they've had franchises fold as recently as a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, because they literally cannot sustain their business model. And which is why these XFL conversations were coming up. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of where now the big, the big conversation is going to be instead of, okay, are these going to work together? It's okay. The XFL has got all this money behind it. Now they're competing against the USFL in the spring. Um, so even those, like, I understand the thought behind it is you're trying to fill in, you're trying to fill in the the void in the summer. Cause if we could, as football fans, we could watch football <laughs> all year round. hundred percent. Uh, and, and, and I think that's something that the XFL says, okay, versions one and two didn't really work out that well. Um, this is going to be our third and final try. Let's go ahead and do it. Um, I don't know. I think at this point, the way that the XFL went the first time around folded, even though it was being fairly successful, you know, 2020 during the COVID years, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was just bad luck. But yeah. now the third time around with the XFL, it's everyone's like, Oh, okay, whatever. It's the XFL. I don't really care anymore. This was cool. A couple years ago when they tried it, I don't really care. So now it's, you know, then, then you got to think about if you got players there X and USFL, the product of both of those leagues on the field was not great. Right. Now you got to look at that too. <laughs> Where are you yeah, getting I mean, players from? You're watering down the minor leagues essentially. And I mean, yeah. uh, again, like the parallel to that would be baseball. Obviously the baseball minor leagues are watered down by a bunch of guys that will never make it. And I don't discount what they're doing. And if I could do it, I would be doing the exact same thing. But because of the fact that there's, hundreds of teams spread across the U S and Canada for minor league baseball means that the product is watered down. And exactly, it's exactly what you're referencing. Uh, we want the best players versus the best players to see who can move on to play against the most elite players, which is the league above you. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. We'll just, you know, we'll have to kind of see how this, how this all plays out with the XFL. Um, they made their announcements during the ESPYs. Um, some more news is going to come out on that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what it'll do, uh, what it'll do this time around. Um, you know, they, they did the name brand change, the logo change. Uh, they're talking about, you know, they announcing their eight cities that they're going to be playing out of. And, right. you know, so now we'll, we'll kind of see how it is under Redbird Capital and Dwayne Johnson. Is it going to be that much different? Probably not. Um, but how much more exposure are they going to get this time around since they hooked up with ESPN? I think that's going to help 
the public perception of what this league is going to be all about. Right. Right. And yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, but we can circle back to, uh, to the AFC North. Cause we were going to kind of break down, uh, one division, uh, per week, probably by the time we get to, I don't know, two or three weeks leading up to the season, we're probably gonna have to double up a division here or there, but that's when football is going to be in full swing. So I don't think anyone's going to mind that at all. Uh, but to kick it off AFC North, um, any reason to believe that the Bengals will not win the division handily? Uh, look, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. But the way would you look at the other teams in there? I think it might be a little bit more of a dogfight this year for the Bengals. They were the story last year. They came out of. They essentially came out of nowhere. Yet, uh, you know, their their coach Zach Zach Taylor was on the hot seat. And they're like, what are you know? What are you going to do? Why didn't they draft Penay Sewell out of Oregon? But they went with Jamar Chase, who played with Joe Burrow in college, and it ends up being a great connection. But now this year, like, they're not going to surprise anybody. So right. everybody, I, I've seen people even within this network talking about the Bengals going, you know, thirteen wins, twelve wins, eleven wins. I don't know. Like, I, it's it's the Bengals we're talking about here. Like, they and- had a, they had a year, they made a run. Are they going to be that same type of team next year? No, they've got a much harder schedule this year. It's kind of how the NFL balances it out. Are they? They'll probably be in contention for the division and most likely win it. it I think it really is going to depend on Baltimore. Baltimore is going to be that that t- other team that they're going to be competing with because the Browns, no starting quarterback. You know, you know, it's still they still have a good, a fairly good defense. They got a few people on that team that can help make an impact. Right. And then you got the Steelers. So Steelers can't, they could not throw themselves out of a wet paper bag on offense. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you nailed it as far as the Bengals go, because there's a far big difference between playing the fourth place schedule and playing the first place schedule. Um, Not to mention like the Bengals have to travel into Tampa Bay, which might be one of Tom Brady's last home games of his career. So, I mean, the likelihood of being able to pull that one out is going to be, you know, it's going to be a high degree of difficulty. Um, But I, I do think that they're a good team. Um, 13 wins is a stretch to me. Uh, I would say probably 11 wins seems to make sense. Like 11 and six with that kind of a schedule probably still is enough to win the division. Um. But when it comes to second place, I, I know people point at Baltimore. Everyone wants to talk about Baltimore. This contract thing is going to hold over Baltimore. It's going to sit over their head. The fact that they went and drafted Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, it pissed me off. I'm a huge, huge Kyle Hamilton fan. I think that that guy is awesome. He's an elite talent, and he's going to continue to be an elite talent for years and years to come. But he's not going to take over the league in year one. And he's right. not going to be the impact player that we saw at Notre Dame because he's, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You're you're walking into a new situation. You have to figure it out again. Um, so call it homerism, call it whatever you want. I'm going to position the Steelers as second place in that division uh, for a few different reasons. One, they're not going to need to rely on a passing game this year. You know, Najee Harris is there. Uh they weren't sexy moves, but they made a lot of moves to update, uh, upgrade the offensive line. They made a lot of moves to uh, update the defense and upgrade the defense. I mean, Miles Jack is there. I think that's a signing that people forget about. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Larry, Larry Obenjobi, a guy that signed a huge, massive free agent contract with the Bears, failed his physical. Um, they got him for a discount, and it looks like he's going to be ready and he's on track to play for training camp. So. I think that they had that one fall in their lap. They don't have a contract situation with Minka holding over their head. TJ's already locked up. There is nobody. I mean, I guess uh, Johnson wants his deal, but uh, as any Steelers or any any fan would know, the Steelers aren't going to pay this guy. They didn't pay. They don't pay any receiver outside of Antonio Brown, and they only paid him once. Um, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky's as bad as everybody thinks he is. I think he can make the play and be a game manager. He's going to be able to get himself outside the pocket. I, I, I think that they're good for, 
a nine and eight season and probably being the the seventh wild card. That's it's funny you make that comment about Trubisky. Now, being a Lions fan, having seen him play in Chicago <laughs> and watch that hilarity ensue. Now, I would agree with you if Mitchell Trubisky got to play against the Lions every single week because he looks like a pro bowler every single time he plays Detroit for whatever reason. But any other team, um, not so much. But with with Mitchell Trubisky, the one thing that he does very well is if he if you're not relying on him to throw 50 times a game and and make those big throws, you know, we made the same conversation with other quarterbacks about Mm -hmm. having that tough defense, rely on the run, and don't just expect your quarterback to be a game manager. That's one thing that Trubisky actually does fairly well. And he he can manage a game. But um, I I was looking up the win totals uh, for for each team, and Pittsburgh's at seven and a half. Uh, The Bengals and the Ravens are both at nine and a half. So that's a that's a big one, and then the Browns are are also kind of in that mix as well. So uh, it's yeah, you're you're right. Tomlin's never had a losing season, um, but I don't think he's. I also don't think he's run into a situation offensively like he has this year, um, unless you count the Mason Rudolph thing. <laughs> yeah, so I, we were in a worse situation um, three years ago. Roethlisberger tore his elbow out again in that game against Seattle and yeah Mason Rudolph came in but like people don't remember Duck Hodges came in and was winning football games for the Steelers this is an undrafted guy from a division two school in uh, Samford I believe and that guy could lead them where they needed to be um, I, I think that the Steelers are in a good position to win nine games uh, whether that's enough to get into the playoffs I don't know uh, so I would take the over wins for Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and the under wins for for the Ravens. And I guess it depends on where the Browns sit. But if they're sitting at like six and a half, I'm probably going to sit under if uh, Jacoby Brissett is their starter for the year. Yeah, if, if Jacoby Brissett's not bad by any means, but you look at the rest of that team, um, is, is Jacoby Brissett going to be the guy going to be the guy that's going to lead uh, the team in, in critical situations. Uh, I, my, my arguments, no, uh, I don't, I don't really think he is. So, um, you know, kind of looking at, looking at the rest of that, at the rest of that division, I I'm, they're a better Pittsburgh's a better team than, yeah. uh, than they were last year. They still had a pretty solid, very solid defense. Um, they're plucking wide receivers out of the ether to, you know, produce on the field. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a big thing. I, I think, but I think the one thing that's really going to be a key cog in the wheel for the Steelers is going to be their quarterback play. If they can figure out a, who's the guy going to be and B, can you put him in a situation that they can succeed? Then they'll, they'll make a run and it's going to be a very tight, very tight division. I would not be surprised to see all of those teams you know, hovering around nine to 10 wins, depending on how the rest of their schedules play out and other, you know, the rest of their schedules play out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly right. And, you know, like if, if Trubisky comes in and he ends up having to get pulled, I don't even think he's getting pulled for Pickett. I think he's getting pulled for Rudolph. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they've committed to a red shirt year for, for Pickens and, and I'm okay with that. Um, I think the ideal scenario for that front office would be uh, Trubisky and Pickett are very, very similar guys. Pickett probably has the stronger arm, probably the higher ceiling, but the offense doesn't change when either one of those guys is in the, in the huddle. Um, I mean, there is no offense when Mason Rudolph's in the huddle. We've all seen that. We, you know, (laughs) we watched, we watched that guy tie Detroit um, in a rainstorm, which was, like an absolute disaster and a farce of a game. But um, I, I would say, yeah, he, he's the backup, right? He's the backup for sure. Uh, Rudolph's yeah. the backup. And, you know, unless he does something at camp to piss somebody off, he's out of there. Cause he does have a $5 million cap hit on his head. Uh, and I mean, if they needed that room, they could free it up, but they're in a good position cap wise. So I think that they keep the veteran in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's going to be a big thing uh, looking at training camp is Kenny Pickett. You know, what is yeah. 
what's what's his progression going to look like? Are they going to register him in the NFL nowadays? Uh, they don't really. There's not such a thing as redshirt years anymore. They expect guys to go out and produce uh, almost immediately. So um, I think that's going to be a big thing for the Steelers. Is are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to? progress him and who's the guy in the meantime, or does the offense just get so, so clustered up that, um, you know, they need to throw Kenny Pickett in there. Uh, it's, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be something to watch in for in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And uh, you know, I like, it seems like we've gone a little bit over, so we got to make a decision after this. Are we going to talk about the trade deadline? Or are we going to talk about the Rose bowl? Uh, but we can make that decision after the break. And uh if you want to, uh, if if you want to drop that last commercial in there, yep. we will uh, we will be right back on the other side. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. We're making a place. We're talking the game, get you to the days. We're hiding the court, they're dying in the lane. Variety topics, living the same. All presentation, sports information. In the airways, taking the nation. All sport, all plays, they're working your faces. Grace at the field, so type the laces. All sports, all plays. Network. All sports, all plays. Network. We on top of our game. All sports, all plays. All sports, all plays. What do you think, right? I, I I know I seem like it's been a little sketchy, but uh, my battery was dying there, and I was uh, <laughs> I was really really fighting to get to that commercial so that I could plug my computer in. So uh, now we're uh, now we're in good shape. I got full battery life. I think um, you did it. You did it flawlessly. I gave, we put that put, given a little extended break. We could uh, we could get that worked out. Uh, but definitely go check out uh, AS, ASAP. Uh, merchandise uh, asapnetwork.com uh check out all the cool merchandise they got there and uh it's it's a lot of fun i can't wait for we can get some some asap swag on the show as well uh, yeah we freddie you are freddie on up. the spot yeah hook the boys <laughs> up with a little bit of gear over here because we want to be repping the brand um what uh what do you think craig you want to get into the trade deadline or do you want to go into a little bit of college ball let's uh let's do a little bit of college football Okay, yeah, we'll, college football. Yeah, we'll save um, the trade deadline for next week because we got a show on Sunday, and that's when the deadline is anyway. So absolutely, yeah, we can talk trade deadline all all next week. Uh, August second is the MLB trade deadline, so next week uh, we're going to talk about any of the moves, and I'm probably going to be while on air. Moves will be happening, oh, so yeah. uh, we're looking exciting. forward to that. Uh, definitely check out All Sports All Plays Network on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, they're even, they even are on the Roku channel. Uh, so check that, check all that out at ASAP network. And, uh, we're going to talk a little college football here to, to round out the show. And if, you know, in case you haven't been aware, I know some of the other places, uh, some of the other shows on this network, uh, you know, the big 10 plus four talks about it quite a bit, but the big 10 is the conference that's been eating up schools now since the, uh, since Oklahoma and Texas have decided to officially move, they're not backing out. They've officially decided to move to the SEC as early as 2024, I believe. It's 2024, right? Yep. yep. So yep. now the Big Ten gets USC and UCLA. What's that mean for the Big Ten? Well, I think for the Big Ten, it means that uh, the media coverage is going to be significant because now you have the two largest media outlets in your conference i mean if you're looking at new york city and Rutgers, and you're looking at uh, across the the coast and you're looking at hollywood and you're you're looking at the glitz and the glamour you know reggie bush and you know you think of the rose bowl you think of reggie bush versus vince young that is the kind of stuff that is now coming to the conference so i will say as a state fan um i think that our win total is going to be in question as we continue to move on. 
And I know for yourself as a Michigan fan, you're used to doom and gloom regardless of the competition. <laughs> so that will be, <laughs> that'll be like an easier transition for you. But as far as the big 10 goes, the recruits are going to be huge uh, because now you can play in every single time zone in the United States. Uh, you can, you'll be on at 10 PM. You will be on at 12. The, the Fox network is salivating right now with all the stuff that's going to, all the content that's going to come out for the big 10 here. And yeah, the school that this is going to hurt the most. And I think that we could both agree on this and we kind of chatted about it a little bit is Ohio state. I think that they're the, the team that's most in trouble with this because they're the team that was pulling in all the recruits. Now, if you're going to be in the Big Ten, would you rather wear the you know the maroon and gold for USC, or would you rather wear the scarlet and gray for Ohio State? And I think a lot of the guys coming in can picture the USC teams over the Ohio State teams. Well, that's that's something that we've we've been kind of talking about in our our big group chat uh, a lot the last you know couple weeks is um, you know what's that going to mean for a lot of the other for a lot of the other schools in the Big Ten or even around the country. You, you hit it around the head. Now Big Ten can literally go coast to coast um, with all with with all their their coverage. They can um, now you're going to have all these different time zones covered. And not only that, they didn't just go out and said, hey, we're going to go get the we're going to go get someone from the West Coast. Uh, no, they went out and got the big boys. They went and got the USC, the UCLA. You, you get that L.A. market. They got um, Hollywood. They brought in Hollywood. You go and get Hollywood, and now you can literally stretch from coast to coast. So that is really going to, as far as just a revenue standpoint, it makes a lot of sense for USC and UCLA to make that jump because the Pac-12 network, let's let's be real, you probably, most of us on the East Coast don't watch Pac-12 uh, football unless you're, hey, it's Friday night and I'm up really way past my bedtime. Oh, hey, football's on. Let me go watch it. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, or you, you lost you lost the afternoon game, and you're just trying to ride a heater so you can, <laughs> you know, just like be a degenerate gambler and try and uh, yep. try and make your money back on a Pac-12 game. And yeah, and sports I, betters, yeah, 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 sports betters are are definitely the ones that watch Pac-12 football um, or Pac-12 sports in general. But that's what that's what we were talking about this before we went on air. Um, the money's talking, and that's where all these schools are now going to. And you know, you look at you look at kind of how this is going to, how this is going to affect the rest of the country. Um, all the other power conferences, you power five. Now it's kind of like power four because the PAC 12 isn't going to be the PAC 12. There's been reports mm -hmm. of, um, I know you had mentioned that Oregon and Washington might jump to the big 10. Utah has been trying to jump to the big 10. Um, are some of these teams going to try to join the big 12, you know, is the SEC going to try to go further west for some reason and go and get Oregon? Maybe that would that would that would blow my mind if they went out and got Oregon and said, "Hey, join the SEC." I think that would be a huge domino, and the Pac-12 would probably be the first one to go under. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I I think that uh, Oregon would be a nice name for the SEC, and. Uh, the only person that would really disagree with it would be Bo Nix's grandfather, who was a quarterback at Auburn, and his grandson just transferred over to Oregon. Uh, so I think that he would have a tough time with that conversation. But yeah, I, th I think the Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten is going to make a lot of sense. Uh, the Big Ten is kind of making that final push for Notre Dame right now. Um, I could give you about 235 million reasons why Notre Dame will never be in the Big Ten. Uh, and there's an NBC contract out there that if Notre Dame ever decides to not be independent, and this is something in the next 10 years, um, then they have to join the ACC uh, or they have to buy out for $235 million. Um, that's basically three years worth of revenue with the Big Ten. Uh, maybe two and a half, uh, but you're not going to give up all that revenue to go play against the stronger competition. The The better move for them and probably the logical move for them, I guess, is probably to join up with the ACC. Um, and that will leave the Big Ten commissioner sitting there with a bunch of bags of money and he's going to see who wants it. And I think, uh, you know, we talked about it. I, I think that 
Oregon's uh, Oregon's a uh, one that makes a lot of sense. Washington makes a lot of sense. It wouldn't even surprise me if a team like Iowa State joined up just for rivalry purposes with Iowa. Um, they're not going to get this kind of coverage with the Big Twelve, and the Big Twelve is probably going to be more like the Big Eighteen in uh, in a few years as things start to get swallowed up. Uh, but it's pro- it, it is either going to be the Power Three or the Power Four conferences that that make this happen. Um, and it's only a matter of time before the PAC 12 becomes the PAC eight or whatever they want to call it. And that is no longer a power conference. That's just a conference that is no better than the Sun Belt. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that you see the big 12 has been doing that. They went out and got UCF. They're pulling in Houston. They're pulling in all these middle tier schools to try to round out their conference. Cause they are going for quantity over quality but what's going to happen when Pac-12 starts to do that? Where are you going to pull from? Gonzaga doesn't have a football program. No. So, you probably I mean, don't want them to. Yeah, you don't want them to. Like, Where are they going to pull from? You're going to start seeing division or FCS schools get uh, division one or FBS credentials so they can, start, they can start joining these conferences, but it's going to water everything down. But – um, you know, one of the other big dominoes that I think could fall, and you mentioned Notre Dame, um, you know, they're already joining, they've joined ACC in every other sport. And you mentioned their clause. There's no possible way they join any other conference other than the ACC. But what happens if the ACC, which I, I, I this was out on ESPN because they did the ACC media day this last week. And one of the conversations by the commissioner was they're trying to find ways to close the revenue gap between the ACC and the SEC and Big Ten. And they've they've got to deal with the SPN, but so does SEC. And you're trying to find ways to close that gap. How long is it going to take before the Florida States or the Clemsons of that conference go, you know what? SEC and Big Ten don't look so bad right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Like the best thing – for the ACC because you're right. Like if they, if they're not making the money and all it's going to take is a couple years and uh, Forbes will release a list and then Clemson is out the door and Florida state's at the door. Um, you know, like why wouldn't Florida state want to be paired up with the Gators and, and know that that rivalry can continue on. Um, but there's a lot of people out there with a lot of money that aren't being talked about in the way of college football. And I'm sure that they want a part of it. Uh, think of Amazon, think of Apple, you know, like these huge streaming platforms that have been trying so hard to get in with the NFL have finally done it. But why can't Amazon prime get the ACC? I mean, that's, that's a significant revenue stream. And that would probably be something that's going to rival the big 10 and the SEC. And you can get those crossover games. And I'm sure the big, big schools at, in the conferences that we're talking about, they're absolutely going to be willing to play against you. And this is going to be significant when the playoffs come around too. Absolutely. And that's kind of, that's kind of one thing I want to round out the show tonight and kind of, kind of find out, you know, what's your opinion. We were talking a lot about all this movement, really, how's it going to affect the college football playoff? You know, what's, what do you think the best format's going to be for the playoff now that we've got all this movement in a couple years and all these big teams moving to the bigger, bigger, higher revenue conferences? Yeah, and, and for me, like the thing that makes sense, you, you want your conference winners in the playoff. Like that is what the playoff is designed for. That's what you want to do. So even if you wanted to say we had four conferences, uh, whichever four conferences and whichever teams f- end up in those four conferences, the top two teams from each of those conferences moves on. That's eight. And then you have four wild cards. Those four wild cards can be from any conference. So we'd be looking at the Cincinnati's of last year or the Boise States of years past, um, the UCF, that type of team uh, to come in. And we would do it based on not only record, but the eyeball test and the strength of schedule. And that's what you want to do because nobody wants to watch Michigan versus Alabama or Michigan versus Georgia. Nobody wants to watch Cincinnati versus Alabama. As much as those were... Uh, those were our matchups. That's what we got. Um, as a Michigan fan, were you excited to watch them play Georgia and just be a one and done? 
I would have much rather have played Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You play but, Cincinnati, and then if you have a second playoff game, then you'd square up against the Georgia. Uh, at least your fan base has a little bit more of a feel behind it, and you might get a little bit more hype behind the thing. Anytime a playoff yeah. game is has a 10-point spread on it or more, uh, we're probably not in the ballpark that we want to be in. Absolutely. And, and really – kind of how the rest of this, it's not only going to impact the playoff format. And I think I've always been on board with that type of a format as well. Just get 16 teams, all your conference winners, get some at-large bids. Um, you know, whether they're, the jury's out, whether the committee is still the right way to go. Should they go to a mix between that and the old BCS system, which wasn't entirely flawed. Um, but how that really is also going to ripple effect is now the conference championship games because there's no way you're going to eliminate those. There's too much money involved to be able to eliminate those. So with these big mega conferences, super conferences, you call them, what, you know, how is that going to affect all the, the championship games? And then as a, as then an, another effect of the playoff, you know, when you only have four, they've talked about, they might go to eight, but they said they don't want to do it anytime soon because it creates all this conversation of right. the top four. Should Cincinnati have been in? Should they have not been in? Should you know? Should we have two SEC teams in? Because that's ended up being the championship game. We've seen it so so often. You know, how's that going to affect? But I think one thing it will affect is the strength of schedule. And you look at a team like. I don't know, Missouri, right? Or a team like that in the SEC East. Or if you even look at Alabama's schedule, use that right. as an example. They're always touted as some of the best teams in the country. But if you look at their schedule, their non-conference games are against like FCS teams. And they're against, you know, like JUCO teams, essentially. They, they right, don't play right. anybody. Lay, but, down, lay down state, right? Yeah, lay down state. So as you get these bigger conferences, how is that going to affect all their schedules um, that's going to be very intriguing to see when Texas and Oklahoma make their way to the SEC, when USC and UCLA make their way to the Big Ten, and all these others. How's that going to affect the scheduling, strength of schedule, and who gets into the playoff? Right. And, you know, like last piece of conversation as far as, and we'll focus on the Big Ten because that's our conference. Um, it's time to abolish the divisions. And there, there can't be a Big Ten East and West when the West coast is 3000 <laughs> miles away. So you, you need to figure it out. Uh, I think just like a really, really big, uh, big conference schedule, the way that the basketball schedules work out, uh, you figure out who you're playing and there's gotta be some kind of a formula where if you finish first, you play second, fourth, 10th, what you know what I mean? Like that, those are your games, and like that's the formula. So based on where you finish is how you're setting up your schedule for the next year and and continuing moving forward. Yeah, uh, last month the ACC dropped that on everybody where they changed the format. No divisions. All 14 teams are going to play. They're doing it's called a three-five-five schedule. Basically, you have three primary opponents, and then you rotate around. You know the other player, the other teams that you're going to play. Um, I would love to see the Big Ten do that, especially with how far they're spread out. Um, you have your Michigan, have your Michigan play Ohio State, Michigan State, and most likely like Wisconsin or Minnesota every year. You know, natural rivalries. Um, you know, that Michigan State they got their natural rivalries that you're going to play against. So have those naturals, and then just play based on the year you can rotate that way everybody gets a chance to go out to Rutgers or Maryland or USC uh, but I really like how that's done I don't think they're going to do it well we will see luckily for us we're going to have about 200 to 300 more of these shows in the future uh, so we will see where things go we'll continue to keep you updated on all sports um Make sure that you're checking us out every Sunday at around 7.15 uh, when the football season's on. If we see a game going to overtime, you'll probably see us pop on here, but it'll be more of a viewing party than anything. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably be paying attention to whatever's going on over there. Uh, but why don't you finish us off with the socials, Craig, and we'll get out of here for the day. 
Absolutely. Don't forget to check out All Sports All Plays Network on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. You see them all on the banner at the bottom of the screen every Sunday, 7.15 p.m. Myself, Shane, we've even got we've even got other guys that are coming in as well. Uh, we got Sean and Jamie that will be joining us in the consecutive weeks. Uh, so we're really looking forward to this. Uh, happy to be a part of it. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, Shane. Yeah, man. Until next week, we'll see what the see where Juan Soto's going. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I've heard the Padres. You know, that's that's kind of where I would throw that out. But yeah, my um, money's on the Cardinals. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> that's our teaser. July 31st. We'll see you on July 31st. Hot sports all plays. Hot sports all plays.